Welcome to the Futurist Public Intellectual. Now that we have discussed Dobbs and understand that the entire edifice of the implicit right to privacy was built upon an untenable foundation, it is time to examine a 21st century favorite, gay marriage. Before I go any further, I'm going to talk about the problematic acronym that is used these days, LGBTQIA+. In the beginning, it was GLBT. Then people felt guilty about putting gay men first, so it was changed to LGBT. Then it started to get so unwieldy that a plus sign was tacked on the end. As a futurist, I'm going to say that enough is enough. I am going to be fair in the same way that a school teacher is fair. I'm simply going to go in alphabetical order. So from now on, on this podcast, I'm going to refer to this community as the BGLQT community. I'm not going to include the I or the A because intersex is not a sexuality and asexual is not exactly one either. Yes, transgender is not a sexuality too, but they've been part of this community forever, so I'm not going to kick them out right now. I think it's important to clarify what we mean by gay marriage. People's discussions of gay marriage are often confusing because gay marriage is, one, a private relationship, and two, a public status that is contractually recognized by the government. I use the word contractually because when one is talking about the status, the two people in the marriage enter a contractual agreement that is then deemed legally cognizable by the government. It's crucial to acknowledge that the first aspect of gay marriage, the private relationship, has always existed and doesn't need the involvement of the government. That is why before Obergefell v. Hodges nationally legalized gay marriage in 2015, gay couples had commitment ceremonies in BGLQT-friendly churches. Even the government recognizes that the private relationship pre-exists the public status when one looks at common law marriages. In common law marriages, the public status is being bestowed after the private relationship has existed for a statutorily determined number of years. What this means is that the fight for the legalization of gay marriage has been a fight for a legally cognizable public status by the government. But why would people expend so much energy on trying to attain a status? Rights and legitimacy. I will examine these separately. Both among straight people and gay people, they like to say that they're getting married because they're in love. The problem with this explanation is that love is sufficient to justify the private relationship, but the public status is not necessary. It then becomes clear that love is not the true reason for marriage. How can one tell? If all the tax, insurance, child custody, and estate benefits were eliminated, and the marriage certificate became the adult equivalent of giving you a star, then almost no one would be interested in going through the hassle. They can get legitimacy by simply having a wedding. The public status is sought for in order to attain the legal benefits given by the government to married couples. 
While it's true that marriage gets you a bundle of rights, gay marriage has been characterized as a human right. To deny marriage to gay people is to deny them a human right. Once again, we have to ask ourselves, which gay marriage are we talking about? The private relationship or the public status? Gay marriage activists clearly are referring to the public status. But the funny thing about gay marriage is, it's still marriage. Yes, that marriage. The thing that straight people spend five figures for a wedding on instead of putting a down payment on a house. The thing that straight people dislike so much that over 45% of Americans feel the need to get a divorce. If so many straight people are leaving the institution, then why are the gays rushing in? I can understand people wanting to have the legal benefits conferred by the government, but perhaps we're hitching the wagon onto the wrong horse. This is where we have to talk about legitimacy. One thing that I have to agree with the conservatives on is that marriage is a straight institution. But the real issue is that marriage is an instrument of heteronormativity. While BGLQT people gained legal rights with the legalization of gay marriage, what they lost is deviancy. Deviancy matters because what deviancy facilitated was freedom. That was the whole point of reclaiming the word queer. You can't be queer if you're part of the mainstream. They probably believed that they gained societal legitimacy because they shoehorned themselves into a central institution of straight people. But what looks like legitimacy is merely a heteronormative prison. For a community that has been flagrantly rejected by mainstream straight society for so long, it's understandable that they crave acceptance. But gay marriage is a pyrrhic victory. As soon as BGLQT people step outside of that monogamous couple with two kids and a dog paradigm, straight people are going to retract their approval. For example, if the suburban neighbors of a married gay couple with an adopted Chinese child realized that the gay couple was inviting anonymous sex partners from Grindr to their house, I wouldn't be surprised if they called Child Protective Services on them. It's the same reason why straight couples have to be DL about being swingers. The judgmental eye of the straight world is going to scrutinize your lifestyle. What the BGLQT activists should have done is uncoupled the private relationship from the public status, i.e. the rights. One shouldn't necessarily have to marry to attain the legal benefits. Straight people could have kept their institution of marriage, and anyone else could have gotten a civil union with the equivalent rights of marriage. Of course, it doesn't have the same ring to it as a gay marriage, but that's only in the eyes of straight people, and there is no guarantee that they think gay marriage is legitimate anyway. Just like black people shouldn't have to undo their dreads or cornrows to work a corporate job, or a Sikh shouldn't have to remove his turban to work food service. BGLQT people shouldn't have to conform to heteronormativity to have a committed relationship. 
Now that we've established that gay marriage is not particularly important, let's talk about the fact that gay marriage shouldn't have even come up as a Supreme Court case. Like abortion, gay marriage is another judicially created right that derives from the non-existent right to privacy from the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. I'm not going to repeat my discussion of the problematic right to privacy in this episode. Please listen to episode two for more information about that. Despite talking about the historical significance of marriage, the majority in Obergefell failed to address the history of the states pretty much exclusively regulating domestic relations, including marriage, as part of their police power. States have always determined for themselves what they thought was appropriate for marriages, adoption, custody, and other matters related to people's intimate relationships. Now that Dobbs has paved the way for overruling precedents that relied on the right to privacy to justify their holdings, Obergefell is the appropriate next step in the return to constitutional fidelity. Like Dobbs, if Obergefell is overruled, then the states can go back to regulating marriage like they always have. And just like Dobbs, the liberals need to consider fighting for a constitutional amendment for the right to privacy, if that's so important to them. Thank you for listening to The Futurist Public Intellectual.